Welcome to Coding's Decoded. I'm Corey Brown, Executive Vice President for Tanemic Company, and I'm here today to talk with Josh Bell. Uh, Josh is one of our technical service representatives. He has years of experience in applying and testing Tanemic Coatings, and we're here today to talk with Josh about the exciting topic of flash rust. So we were just talking about Josh about your eight years in the mm -hmm. tech service department, um, and I know that you've worked on a lot of really cool testing projects in your time. Yeah, two in particular, both the published uh, white paper presentations and all. Uh, one on high voltage holiday testing. Mm. The other one was on uh, flash rusting, but it it narrowed in on the use of additives with wet abrasive blasting to prevent flash rusting on to steel. To prevent flash rusting. Correct. Got you. Um, of course, I remember both those topics quite well, uh, <laughs> being alongside you in at least some of that research. Yeah. And I've read, of course, your publications. Um, so honing in on this issue of flash rusting, mm -hmm. can you tell us in layman's terms, what do you consider flash rusting? Flash rusting is just like the basic formation of rust in the presence of water or mm -hmm. any other electrolytes. Or, yeah. um, it's the steel starting to ionize, mm -hmm. and that's when you start to see that red, orangish color on the surface. Right. And um, comes as, like you said, a result of coming in contact with water. Flash rusting happen during dry abrasive blasting? It can, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so in a very humid environment, um, you can see flash rusting almost immediately after you do a dry abrasive blasting. Right. Um, in the presence of contaminations as well. Okay. But more, I mean, in my mind at least, I'm, I always think of flash rusting when I talk about wet abrasive blasting. Well, once again, you need four key ingredients in order for you to have rust. One of those things being an electrolyte and when you introduce an electrolyte, i.e. water, into the blasting process, you're obviously going to expedite that flash rusting. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the standards for wet abrasive blasting, they address this specifically, I think. They do. Um, they actually offer different visual guides um, for wet abrasive blasting because not only can you have rusting, flash rusting happen, which they do great, but they also have different visual standards for actual clean steel. Mm -hmm. It's actually a darker hue um, of steel than compared to direct by blasting. The white metal isn't truly white. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah, they, uh, they rewrote, rewrote those wet abrasive standards a few years back and, and sort of, you know, changed all of our perspective on how we, how we address those things. Yeah, it, it puts a lot of uh, uh, weight into the, the the specifier's hands, they have to agree to what type of rust grade is acceptable after gotcha. the blasting is concluded. Got you. Where previously, I mean, when we're talking about dry abrasive blasting, there's no amount of rust that's acceptable after those, after those standards before paint is applied. Correct. Yeah. Yes. But with wet abrasive blasting, it seems like you're saying a uh, specifier may be able to say a certain level of flash rust is acceptable. Correct, because with the very beginning stages of flash rusting, it's actually really tightly adhered. Mm. Um, so you're not gonna have that loose rust that you would see in something that has severe corrosion, okay. where you'd have those particles that are very loose. All right, and loose, and how would you check for loose rust versus tightly adhered rust? Um, that would be in other standards. Uh, I do believe dull putty knife 
has been utilized to check whether or not something has been loose, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm not quite sure any other, anything else other than that. Okay. All right. Um, so what's the difference if we paint over flash rust, if a, if a, a specifier chooses some degree of flash rust that's allowable, we paint over the flash rust versus we don't paint over flash rust, what kind of performance changes could we expect? Yeah, so if you're, the, the problem is if you're applying coatings over an active corrosion site, mm. that's the big problem here. Okay. When you apply over an active corrosion site, you can have uh, delamination, blistering, you can have bleed through from the rust, depending on the product you're using. There's a lot of different things that can happen, but as far as flash rust in and of itself, um, unless there's something continuing the rusting process, uh -huh. it's not as detrimental as someone might think. That's why there is acceptable levels of flash rust. Okay. So we th uh, you said blistering, and I and when I hear blistering, I always think of uh, mostly of osmotic blistering. I mean, I know blistering can come from poor adhesion, and you can get blisters and coating that are dry. Right. Uh, but generally, I think of blisters as a result of uh, osmotic forces uh, because there's something soluble behind the coating. That is correct. And so in these cases where we've wet abrasive blasted the surface um, you're getting that that what we're calling flash rust that visual hue you talked about but we're not necessarily talking about things being there that are still soluble because we've probably removed all that during and is that the, the potential difference in performance too that we talk about 100 percent. so there is a different there's a definitely a difference between having osmotic forces versus delamination due to poor adhesion. Mm -hmm. So w if you have severe flash rusting, there's a possibility you have flash, uh, loose rust on the surface, okay. which causes delamination. Mm -hmm. That hydro, uh, the, the vapor pressure on the opposite side can cause the delamination. Okay, I see what you're saying. Versus um, having something like you said, like a, let's say a soluble salt on the opposing side, mm. it goes into the solution and lowers the vapor pressure on the opposing side. So the, the immersion side, because it has a higher vapor pressure, that's where you get that osmotic force. Mm. Got it. Whew. Sometimes tough concepts get our minds wrapped <laughs> around, but uh, you know, those are the details we have to study if we want to be experts in the, in the coatings industry. So I appreciate you, you taking the time to go into those details for us. Let's say a specifier doesn't want to see any flash rust at all. Um, they want that nice, good, clean steel that we've always uh, seen with, with a dry abrasive blast. Um, it gives us all that better comfort level that we're not going to have any problems. We're creating angular profile and we've got good clean steel. What can we do for, for uh, I know wet abrasive blasting continues to become more and more popular. We've got, we've got silica concerns out there that the industry is dealing with and these wet abrasive standards address that, but then they bring up flash rusting. So how can we combat both uh, silica concerns and also get good clean steel with no flash rust? So there's two main problems with wet abrasive blasting. Obviously, we've already addressed the first is you're adding an electrolyte to the process, right. which can be detrimental. Mm. The second being, you, it's very difficult to get pure, nice, clean water, which is what the main problem is. If you had really nice, clean water, it wouldn't be that big of an issue because you're not applying contamination to the surface. Mm. 
So in lieu of that, um, you can use additives. There are several different manufacturers out there that provide multiple different types of additives. Um, you have flash rust removers, you have contaminant removers such as soluble salt removers. Um, you have uh, products that are applied after the blast to prevent things from contaminating it further. But majority um, use uh, flash, rust, flash rust inhibitors. Okay. In uh, that can be, it's a dosage system. They add a certain amount to the water in order for it to prevent the rust. It basically okay. removes everything off the surface. So talking about adding it to the water, um, I've seen some of these systems, and there's a variety of wet abrasive blasting systems mm -hmm. out there, but I think um, some of the most popular ones are using water kind of to create a slurry out of this a dry abrasive blast. So you're saying we put an additive directly in that water, mm -hmm. that way it's in the supply, it's coming through the nozzle at the same time the media is, it's hitting the surface and it's sort of inhibiting the ability for that flash rust to, to even happen at all. That is correct. Okay. And that happens at in different ways. Different manufacturers have different solutions to the problem, but essentially, yes. Okay. Uh, in all aspects, that's how it's done. Okay. Um, and without going into too much detail, because I think I think it's possible we may have a, a future episode in greater detail about uh, these manufacturers and, and their approach to the to the flash burst problem. But in general, do we need to worry if we use one of these products? Are they leaving something behind that we can't see? So we actually did pretty good research into this just to find out would it be detrimental to apply coatings over a surface that's been uh, cleaned utilizing these products? Mm. Um, because once again, they, they use different methods to remove flash resting, or I'm sorry, prevent flash prevent, resting. Okay. You gotcha. have an amine surfactant that lowers the surface ten, uh, tension of water to basically make water wetter. Mm. You have products that are acidic that remove flash rusting. You have products... Um, change the pH of the steel slightly, and which we know is, is you know one of the factors on the, not, not whether or not something can rust, but the speed with which rust can occur. Correct. Okay. Um, so there's that, but the, also there's uh, like a gel coats that are applied to actually remove uh, okay. flash rusting, and then you passivate the steel afterwards. Okay. So the, the main concern is, can we apply our paints any manufacturer, can we apply our paints over surfaces that have been cleaned with this? Gotcha. And the consensus across the board from what we tested so far is no. Okay. Um, there's no detriment, there's no uh, adhesion issues. Um, even NSF, um, they don't outright say that yes, they are approved for NSF certification, but the utilization of them to clean interior steel for potable water uh -huh. does not uh, apply to their standard. Right. Uh, I yeah. thought, the NSF has kind of taken that approach too yeah. with pit filling. I mean, we've known that for years yep. is, is uh, NSF's gonna test that coating system that's gonna come in direct contact with mm -hmm. water. And whatever's behind that, they don't, they don't so much care about it. if it's a pit filler or if we used an additive to clean the steel, mm -hmm. their stance is, look, that's not, uh, that's not our area of concern. Right. It's kind of an out of, the, out of bounds way of answering the question. Yes. Right, yeah, that, make, that makes sense to me. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about? Because you seem pretty confident that uh, that using these uh, these additives and wet abrasive blasting doesn't cause any problem for for coating performance. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things you did uh, to to gain such a level of confidence? So, for one, we we worked hand in hand with the manufacturers. Uh -huh. um, we worked with several. Um, 
I was working with their tech personnel to do exactly what is necessary in order for this testing to go right. And the majority of the time, and when I say majority, I mean every single instance to which we had conversations about, we basically applied in accordance with their latest product data sheet. Okay. So as long as you do what the product data sheet states, then you shouldn't leave anything on the surface. Right. Now, um, there are certain manufacturers that require you to do a rinse afterwards, mm -hmm. uh, cleaning the surface afterwards to, to ensure there's no residue left over. Because that residue, if it if it's collected in a like puddling, oh. it actually creates uh, a, a despondent area. Okay. So. All right. So there's varying um, manner of ways these products used, just like there's varying uh, ways that they approach the problem of, of eliminating or preventing flash rust. That all makes sense to me. Um, so you use their products, you clean steel, <laughs> use the products, and then what? And then we applied our uh, coatings over the top of it. We did multiple different systems. We did a zinc epoxy system. We did epoxy direct, two coats, and then we did a single coat of epoxy. Okay. And then these are all after we've prepared the steel with all the different products, as mm -hmm. well as just dry abrasive blasting, just pressure washing, just wet abrasive blasting. So that way we had a, a control for all those standards, as well as all the different products we tested. And throughout all the testing, we, we tested adhesion, we ran it through immersion service, uh, we checked blistering, uh, undercutting, we did, we put it through the plethora of different tests. My goodness, you and must have had hundreds of panels. We did have hundreds of panels. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially it boiled down to, there were anomalies. Um, we did see some uh, issues here and there, but for the most part across the board on all products that we tested, we didn't see any anything that would point towards it being a detriment to the okay. coating system. Sounds a little bit like the real world. Right. <laughs> and I've never, uh, I haven't been on a coating project in, in my years that ever went 100% without right. some anomaly. So yeah. it's not surprising that your and testing showed some anomalies also. Most likely a fault to my own. That's, I'm going to be honest. But. <laughs> <laughs> You're not perfect, John? No, no, oh, no, no. I thought, I thought we, were, we were approaching the first perfect person. <laughs> that flash rust forms during uh, wet abrasive blasting um, and I think that's probably the most common form of flash rust that folks are, are familiar with but I know that um, Tanima company has been developing water-based coatings for direct to metal um, service for gosh close to 30 years now I think there's a type of flash rusting there that you hinted to early on but didn't get a chance to expand on. So can you talk to us a little bit about what, what flash rust means in terms of coating application? Right. Um, so one of the, in fact, in my research when I was, this was done back in 2017, I found that the Encyclopedia of Protective Coatings actually outlines flash rusting as uh, the formation of rust as a water-based coating has, is drying. Interesting. Right. And I, I thought that was very odd. I don't think that that's the, the, the consensus across the industry, but... Well, it's not the first definition <laughs> that pops into my mind, but However, mean, it's the encyclopedia, so they can't be wrong. If I were to redefine that or give it a different word, I would say that that would be rust bleed through. Okay. Um, so when you apply a water-based product to the surface, obviously you're once again adding the electrolyte directed steel. Mm -hmm. So you are giving it the, every single tool it needs in order for it to 
rust. Mm -hmm. um, if the coating is applied way too thin, um, you could see rust bleed through, or if it's applied way too thick and it takes long for it to cure, you okay. can see rust bleed come through. Okay, interesting. So obviously we're formulating um, our products to have the ability to inhibit rust. Mm -hmm. And we do that a number of different ways. Um, one of the ways is to add rust inhibitive additives to our product. Another might be to use rust inhibitive pigmentation in our product. And a third would be to apply the product at a thickness uh, that just is a barrier to water coming in in the future. And so you hinted at that thickness being one of these issues with flash rust uh, after a water-based coating is applied. Talk to us about how low film thickness can create flash rust. So low film thickness can cause flash rusting. It's, it's twofold. One, you can actually have pinpoint rusting if it's too thin. But flash rusting, um, it, it's, it's progressive. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen immediately. Mm -hmm. So if you apply it really thin, um, you may see it early on if it's super thin. Um, unlike the latter, if it takes a very long time for a coating to cure, then you're giving that uh, rust bleed through an opportunity to reach the surface. Mm -hmm. So we apply coatings at 50, 60, 70 mils in some instances. You can still see that progressive rust bleed if it takes a long period of time okay. to cure. And for our, our listeners who may not um, work with water-based coatings as frequently as you have, help them understand the difference when they're probably seeing pinpoint rusting versus flash rusting. So pinpoint rusting is you've applied it too thin to where the peaks of the profile are exposed to the element. Okay. And it's actually the, it, it's, essentially flash rusting, but it's pinpoint rusting on the peaks of the steel. On the profile. Um, you don't have a monolithic film over the top of the profiles. Um, have you ever yeah. seen pinpoint rusting occur in solvent-based products? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, that, that, that can happen across any product that you use. If you do not cover the profile, um, then you will have pinpoint rusting given the environment. Okay, and pinpoint rusting is something I've seen personally, even with solvent-based coatings, Generally, it's going to take a little bit longer to see that. Yes. Um, sometimes it might even be after it's placed in service. Both water-based coatings, same situation. Coatings applied a little bit thin. You were talking earlier about water being part of the coating formulation, obviously a major component of, of a corrosion cell. So I think what you're saying is um, with water-based coatings, low film thickness is probably going to show pinpoint rusting faster than a solvent-based coating would in the same situation. I would tend to agree with that, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I just wonder, as we progress through um, our development of water-based coatings in the industry, how often we might see pinpoint rusting, think that it's flash rusting, uh, and, it, and it may not be. I mean, that may be a, a, an important learning curve for uh, the industry to go through as we, as we release and develop new uh, water-based coatings. So that is really important to delineate between the two. Um, so pinpoint rusting is actually going to be a little bit darker and than flash rusting. So the, when the flash rust bleeds through a coating, let's assume that it's white, um, it, it's not going to be as dark once it reaches the surface. And then the second thing that you're going to notice through bleed through is that it's not going to stay in one small pinpoint location. It's actually going to spread through the coating. You're going to see splotches. Um, that isn't always the case, but that is a common theme with uh, rust bleed through in water-based coatings. Okay. Um, very good stuff, Josh. Uh, really appreciate you, you know, trying to help us delineate 
you know, between the issues. Um, so Tanemic has, as we talked about, spent a number of years trying to develop water-based technologies as, as solutions. And um, you and I have been talking about primers and maybe the difference between flash rusting and pinpoint rusting. But what about complete coatings systems made out of water-based technologies? What can you, what can you tell us about those? I mean, like you said, we've made pretty good leaps and bounds as far as advancements in water-based coatings over the mm -hmm. years. Um, we have multiple of interior and exterior uh, coating systems that are currently available on the market now, mm -hmm. uh, both for uh, immersion and non-immersion services. Interesting. NSF certified water-based coatings. Wow. Um, and so far, uh, we've done field tests. We've done uh, case histories, and everything's looking very good. We have uh, water-based zinc. Uh, water-based zinc epoxy system. We have an epoxy epoxy system, all water-based, of course. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it, like I said, we made pretty good leaps and bounds okay. compared to the early on, you know, trying to figure out how to create a water-based. We, we narrowed down the, the proper suppliers to get the right materials we need in order for our coatings to succeed in these different It's all about performance. Yep. So I think we're going to take the opportunity in a later podcast to uh, give our listeners a really good dose of some of those performance uh, tests and the results that you talk about and, and the field performance too. In the meantime, if they've got questions about this, uh, who do you recommend they reach out to? I mean, you can get on our website at tanemic.com and uh, find a local rep in your area anywhere throughout the United States, uh, Mexico, Canada, and uh, they'll be able to set you up with what water-based systems are best for your current uh, situation. Got it. Okay. Well, that'll tide folks over then at least until we get to our next episode on this topic where we, we hope to expand on uh, the exact products that uh, Tanima can offer and how those things perform. Josh, thanks for spending your time with us today. We've really appreciated listening to all of the knowledge that you have. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And folks, um, before you go, be sure to subscribe and follow our Codings Decoded on your favorite podcasting platform. We appreciate you listening today, and we'll see you on the next episode.